Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For my mom and dad, they did say to me, you are going to get trolls. But I thought, you know what? There's no representation on TV and I wanted to change that. I get concentration fatigue. Like a lot of deaf people struggle with it. Lip reading all the time. Your brain overworked. I'll get headache, migraines. I was just so exhausted. Every day, I'd be napping on the balcony for about two hours while the girls were getting ready. When you were a baby, your parents found out that you were deaf because I wasn't responding to like squeaky toys. They took me to the hospital when they said, okay, she's deaf in both ears. I couldn't speak until I was five. I didn't have that support in terms of, I was kind of pushed to the side in a classroom. They put me at the back of the class. Teachers would turn away from me and I'd like miss out on probably like important bit of notes. There were times where I literally would go home and like, and just cry. That's so weird. Is it not then awkward? No. What's up guys and welcome back to the podcast. It's important to preface this by saying that I'm a big Love Island fan and I am someone who has watched literally every season, every single season. And I have many, many opinions of it from a kind of social experiment side to the social media side, to the career side, to general enjoyment and nosiness. And therefore, I've really wanted to do this episode to get a bit of a nosy cure for people who would like to know a little bit more about what actually goes on on Love Island how different it is from what's actually happened, at what point they're allowed to talk about things, their access to mental health care, brand deals, and all of these different things, what's not known, what is known, what's generally kind of not talked about. So I really just wanted to have a nosy little conversation and find out a little bit more around the behind the scenes about something I'm, I'm personally really interested in and I'm not ashamed of it at all. I think a lot of us love Love Island. But far more importantly, what I really, really wanted to talk to Tasha about today was her role in raising awareness about the deaf community, what it means to be deaf, her experience, having found out she was deaf at 12 months old, her family's experience with that, the options that was presented to her, her journey getting a cochlear implant, how she's been super transparent in sharing how that works and how she hears and all of those things that I think we really should be taught about more. And I think the way that Tasha has really bravely raised awareness in the face of also being trolled quite heavily for that, which I think is horrendously abominable. Like I honestly cannot believe that would even happen, but it does. I also absolutely love the fact that she came out of Love Island and went straight for a pre-love partnership rather than a fast fashion partnership. I think that's an amazing decision to make and I really respected that decision. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. As always, if you do enjoy the episode, please make sure to follow, like, subscribe, whatever the platform asks you to do because it means that we can get really great guests and then I can have a really nice chat with them. But thank you so much for listening to the podcast and as always, have a lovely day. Tasha Guri is a television personality, activist, dancer and model, most recognised for her stint on the 2022 summer series of Love Island UK, with Tasha being the first deaf person to enter the villa. Referring to being deaf as her superpower, Tasha was born deaf, with her parents identifying this when she was just 12 months old. 
At five, she then received a cochlear implant in her right ear. She launched her own podcast, Superpowers with Tasha, in February 2023, which focuses on normalizing disabilities and explores what once made her feel like an outcast, now being her greatest source of strength and community. Following her exit from the villa and over the last two years, Tasha became the first ever pre-loved brand ambassador for eBay. I'm really looking forward to sitting down with Tasha today to talk about her time during the filming of Love Island, but also to explore life after leaving the villa, whether the Love Island bubble has truly burst and her work to normalise her differences throughout everything that she does. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I would love to go back to a little bit about yourself, your childhood. So I'm actually from a very small town called Thirsk. It's literally mid of nowhere in North Yorkshire. I moved to London about five years ago for my dance career because okay. I wanted to be a dancer. Mm. And to have that in Thirsk, there wasn't any potential to do that. London was kind of a place to be, okay. It was a big move as well, going from like sheep and cows and fields to the big city. And that's kind of where it all started. And um, I got quite a small family as well. I never really had a big family. Um, my parents got divorced when I was like eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so my brother lives in Australia. My dad lives in Spain. My mum lives in Yorkshire. Right. So like very all over the place. Yeah. My family is literally everywhere. My parents got divorced. They still like communicate. And technically it was me going and show that she bought them kind of oh, friends really? again. Yeah, I always wanted to be a dancer. And then when I moved to London, um, I got signed by a modelling agency. Okay. So I got into modelling as well. So I modelled for like ASOS, quite a few brands. And I was working self-employed. You know, it's hard being self-employed as well in London. I was literally grafted in hours. I was working at Tiffany & Co, the jewellery brand. Right. You know, when you dance in a bar, I was doing that literally like from 12 to 2 a.m., mm. literally trying to pay my rent, my bills. That's kind of what I was doing before I went on the show. Talking a little bit about when you were a baby, mm-hmm. your parents found out that you were deaf. deaf yeah. Was that, what kind of time was that, if you don't mind me asking? So they found out when I was about 12 months old, which mm-hmm. is quite late on. And that's just because I wasn't responding to like squeaky toys or responding to right. their voices and they were a bit like mm, something's not really right with her and they took me to the hospital and that's when they said okay she's deaf in both ears obviously to them it was a huge shock because I was born into a hearing family it was a challenging moment for them as well as well as me because they had to learn and adapt so much as a family of course I got my first clock of implant when I was five years old so it was quite late on but that's just because we had to do more tests and just figuring out what's going to be best for me because they had to do that decision for me. I couldn't, mm. as five years old, say, yeah, give me the cochlear implant. Then I had speech therapy after, for so long after, that I really had to work on my speech because I couldn't speak until I was five. I was literally mute, fluent in BSL, British Sign Language. I was, that's how I was communicating. And yeah, that's kind of how it came around. But the reason why I was born deaf, we don't know. It was nothing genetic. It was just happens kind of situation um which obviously can happen to anyone and yeah so that's kind of like how it started and then the reason why I got one as well on my right ear was kind of experiment to see how it would work out if we did both at the same time it'd been overwhelming at five years old it'd been a bit too like there was a lot going on I did have the opportunity to have a second one when I was 16 but I turned it down because I just thought I was happy with one I don't need another one and I was mid of my a-levels as well and that actually broke my A-levels. So I had to go through a whole new operation, a new re-implant. Oh, God. I did all my first year A-levels in my second year. I couldn't hear for literally about six months. For people who, I guess, don't know mm. about the different types of options, you you explain about the fact that your parents were deciding which option was best. You were offered a second one and you turned it down. Could you tell people who maybe don't know about what 
what it is yeah. and actually kind of how it works and why might why someone might say no to a second one or a first one or try something else yeah I mean so cochlear implants kind of more way more advanced to hearing aids there's very two different things so hearing aids more amplify sounds makes things louder for you that's why a lot of elder people have a hearing aid and because your hearing deteriorates when you get older whereas cochlear implants surgically done so you have the internal and external so I've got the external part, which is like the earpiece. I was like, I was it's like a cool like spy vibe, yeah, know, like little secret <laughs> spy. And you've got the internal, which is the operational part. And it's really clever how it works, but I actually don't hear from my ear. I hear from the implant. So that's kind of best way to explain it. Um, ah, so it, and it that goes straight into your brain. Yeah. So it didn't restore my actual hearing. It kind of gives me hearing. That's kind of... A, God, science is amazing. Yeah. Like technology is unbelievable and it's just basically I've got a magnet in my head in the inside and my cochlear implant mag- magnet attaches that's when it activates and so it's I've, through like the vibrations is it or? yeah well like so when you're talking to me the implant recognizes it as sound and it transmits through the processor to the brain so the microphone's actually at the front here yeah so that's where the sound travels through the wire into my head and it transmits it's so clever it basically um just transmits and recognizes sounds. That it's, is incredible. That's crazy. absolutely incredible. And obviously your parents made that decision for you. Is yeah. that something you would have made for yourself? 100%. It gave me so many opportunities. And it's interesting, there's a big deaf culture in mm. this um, world. You know, people believe that if you were born deaf, you should stay deaf. You shouldn't get a cochlear implant or hearing aid, um, which I completely get. You know, people have different values yeah, and course. beliefs. But whereas for my parents, they were kind of like, we want her to have a good future. We want her to experience sounds and music and have conversations with people. And I'm so glad that they did that because it's got me where I am now. I can't be any more thankful, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And how did that experience play a role in you working out really who you were? Teenage years are definitely the toughest years yeah, of my I can life. Imagine. Um, it was it was kind of more because when you're a teenager, you're figuring out who you are as a person, you're going through especially as a girl, hormones, like everything, name it. And it's kind of like at that time, I was trying to figure out who I was as a person. I was the only deaf student in my school. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of added pressure in terms of, I was always comparing myself in such a negative way. And just so, I was so horrible to myself, basically. I didn't love myself. Yeah. I had no self-love. I had no self-confidence. It wasn't until I actually left school, that's when I kind of started to, you know, gain a bit more confidence. The dance, dance industry massively helped me with that. But through school, it was just, it was tough. But I was lucky enough that I had friendships. I wasn't horribly bullied. I got cyber bullied. I was lucky that I still have friends and good support around me to get me through school. Um, but I think educational side of things, I didn't do too bad, but I didn't have that support in terms of, I was kind of pushed to the side. Mm. And there wasn't enough awareness. Like there'd be times when in a classroom, they put me at the back of the class, mm. like, where I need to be at the front, so I can lip yeah, read seems... and... Like things that like that. It was literally like little things. Like teachers would like write on a whiteboard, but turn away from me, and I'd like miss out on probably like important bit of notes or information. There'd be times where I literally would go home and like just go in my, my bathroom, my bedroom, and just cry for hours. As well, like me personally, I hate like not causing trouble, but I don't like to put my troubles on other people. So mm. in school, I just kept myself to myself and didn't say how I was feeling or say my opinion because I was like I didn't want to kind of put my troubles in other people like I don't like to do that so I think yeah I think it's changing now though I think it's becoming more well aware of what needs to change in school and hopefully it does do you feel like you've 
I, I don't want to use the word improve because it kind of sounds like I'm putting the blame on you, but in terms of your being able to like raise things and talk about things and stand up for yourself in that way, do you feel like you've kind of developed that muscle a bit, I guess? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you, you grow a stronger bone when you get older and you know, especially dance industry, it is so tough and cutthroat. Like you will get rejection here, there and everywhere and you have to be so strong to take that rejection and keep going and get that yes job. Especially dance industry, I was so scared of, you know, would they accept me because I'm deaf, because I've got a cochlear implant. And it was actually after I graduated from Dance Conservatoire, my second audition, I got the job. I did like a six-month contract in France. And I literally was like, wow, okay, the dance industry was changing. It's becoming more diverse and representation. I got to a point where I was so confident to even just talk about my cochlear implant and talk about my hearing and tell people, you know, please, can you face me? I need to lip read or can you stand on this side? Mm. And like, I've got more, so much more confidence to do that now. Whereas in school, I never would do that. I used to like hide it and just never even speak about it. People ask me, I'd be like, don't ask me. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, Whereas, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, no. <laughs> never heard of her. <laughs> Whereas now, I'd be like, okay, it's a part of me. It's never going to go away, but I'm proud of it now. And yeah. I see it as an amazing gift, you know. If you were to speak to the you at that age or someone who is in that similar situation, so they've, they're the only deaf person in their school, they, yeah. you know, are finding it a little bit hard. What would you say to that person? I love this question because when I look back when I look back on my younger self I'm like Tasha you're so stupid like I brought myself down so much so what I would say to someone is don't let it take over you don't be scared and you know don't let it define you it's a part of you that's something unique and special and you know celebrate your amazing differences you know you are amazing you're no different all humans are equal and you all have bones underneath and you know I think you know, especially social media, it's so much pressure and having to look perfect all the time, having to be, you know, somebody that's, you know, like people, like influencers on social media, etc. But that's what I would say to someone is just take your time. Mm. Like confidence doesn't come in a day. It doesn't come like in a minute. You have to work on yourself and find self-love and do things that you love as well mm. that will really help you, like your passion, hobby, something. You went from that point that you obviously were at school you Mm. went into dance at the initial point that you started to enjoy dancing obviously I can imagine like the obvious question around that for you would have been the accessibility of that in terms of your cochlear implant whether there were going to be restrictions it's already a fucking tough industry did you ever worry about that I guess and what how did you decide that that was very much something you wanted to do nothing was kind of gonna stop you pursuing that yeah um I mean I even told my dad I remember telling my dad at this conversation I went I'm gonna be a dancer my dad straight away was thinking about you know what about financials you know all of these kind of things I said no I'm gonna follow my dreams like how about a lawyer yeah (laughs) I was like I don't care it's fine have you heard of accountants um and I said I'm just gonna follow my dreams and just see what happens I have such a creative mind that I just can't I have to be up and about I have to Mm. do something um and that's why dancing came in I think dancing really helped my hearing as well like the way I hear music I feel the vibrations and I can it's really weird to explain it but we hear it like really differently and it gives me goosebumps every time I hear music I get goosebumps and I think with dancing it just kind of made sense for me because I loved it so much and it made me happy it's my safe space I loved going to class training dancing with other people not getting judged as well because it's mm. such an open space 
you can go in that room and be who you want to be and no one will judge you no one's watching you that's what I love about dancing everyone's just so friendly and it's like a family in a way it's such a small world like everyone knows everyone so you went to dance school yeah and then you went to pursue it as a career how long did you do that before you went on the show I went to dance conservatoire when I was 18. I trained for three years. And then I was dancing for like three and a half years, pretty mm-hmm. much. And modeling as well. So it's so hard because self-employment, is that's how it is. Like you just, it's so up and down. Like one month would be so good and next month I'd literally be scraping, like literally had nothing. Because I loved it so much. That's what kept me going. I was like, I don't want to give up on this dream that I have being a dancer and just... You know, my dream was actually to be like a tour on tour, like a backup dance of like Dewey Lipper or something. That yeah. was literally like my biggest dream. Yeah. Like, yeah. I literally dreamed of that all the time. And so. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. What made you decide then to apply for Love Island. <laughs> so it was actually interesting how it came around. So I actually nearly got onto another show, Too Hot to Handle. Right. And I literally got to the final round and they were quite keen. And then they said I weren't right for it. But the, one of the producers from that show works on Love Island as well. Okay. And that's kind of how my name came up for Love Island. But I still had to go through the whole process and message me on Instagram just to say they were casting for a love show it's very obvious and I was yeah, like yeah. okay a love show on an island <laughs> I was like the but only love show on, on my island. TV yeah literally the process I remember started in January mm. and it literally went on till like May I don't know what it was that made me go for it I just thought I got nothing to lose yeah and I was single at the time I didn't think I was actually going to get it though that's yeah. the thing like I was like just doing it I was like there's no way I'm going to go on the show like it's not going to happen and then when I got the phone call to say you're going on and I was literally like shit <laughs> fuck <laughs> I was like okay I literally ran my dad I was like um and he knew straight away he was like you're going aren't you and I was like yeah um and I think I had mixed emotions that day I literally was like this is not real like I just I would have shat myself yeah like, sorry it's just like I don't know where to start <laughs> I like, would have been like <laughs> <laughs> I had two reasons going on you know I actually did genuinely want to find someone because for me like back then like dating and stuff I found it quite difficult to um, especially with my hearing and stuff. I just mm. found it hard to be open in that way with dating. And then the biggest reason is obviously represent- representation, you know. Mm. For my mum and dad, they were a bit 50-50 me going on the show. They went 100%. They were a bit, 
okay, you do realise that not many people are educated on, you know, deafness, the deaf community. And they did say to me, you are going to get trolls, like you are going to get, of course. you know, hate on that. I was going in very vulnerable. Like, I had no idea what it was going to be like, but I thought, you know what, there's no representation on TV and I wanted to change that. Mm. And that's why, that's probably my main reason I went on there to show that, you know, even though you've got a disability, you can find love, you can be chatty, confident, you can be whoever you want to be, basically. Mm, and, and when you were kind of going through that application process, how early on in the process, I mean, I guess that producer probably from Too Hot to Handle already knew that you were deaf. Was there kind of mm. a point that you raised it in the process? Were they, did they ask any, I guess, specific questions about it? Because obviously there's an accessibility point of view as well, like yeah. um, in terms of how they can prepare best to be able to, you know, give you an experience that has everything you need. Yeah, so in the that the written application, obviously there's a box to say, do you have any disabilities? That's kind of where I noted it. And then the first Zoom call, I did get asked about it. And, you know, they kind of asked questions like, how do you like be open with someone about it? Are you confident to talk about it? Even on the show, it was actually my decision to tell all the Islanders mm-hmm. about it. I said to the producers, I was like, I'm just going to tell them all at once. So it's kind of done, dusted, like, because I didn't want to have individual conversations throughout the night to be like, like by the way, I get it. Yeah, because yeah, then it also feels like you're the one who has to do the legwork for something that people should be very much open to, and then yeah. you're the one who has to, like, deliver it as if it's, like, your little secret, and you're like, <laughs> hey, guys, by the way, <laughs> like, sorry, just Everyone so you can know. come over into my corner, please. <laughs> yeah, so that's, like, pretty much how the process happened. I literally found out, like, a week and a half before it was actually going on, mm. and I literally had... No, like no, that's very stressful. And I was actually the modelling agency at the time. I took a massive risk. So I was like, I cut it off with my modelling agency. And I just kind of said, I'm going travelling. And luckily enough, the risk was worth it in a way. When you get the phone call that you've been accepted to Love Island, who are you allowed to tell? I assume no one. (laughs) No one. (laughs) But it was me, like, mum, dad, (laughs) my best friends. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Like, you could have... I'm not being funny, but my best friends, if I just left without saying anything, they're going to be like, is she okay? (laughs) They'll probably think, like, I've gone to, like, an isolated island. Just, like, everyone going to look for you and the producers being like, no, guys, it's fine. She's coming in. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, I actually don't have that many friends either. Like, my circle is very small. So I'm very lucky like that. Um, Anything that's said in there doesn't go anywhere. Obviously, you do get worried because you're like, if it comes out, of course, lessen your chance going on. You've gone into the show. You were on the first, like you came in yeah. in the original set, right? Yeah. How was that experience of like even walking? I can't imagine walking in. You're probably so conscious of the cameras, like the first, <laughs> like the first few days. Like, yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> um, how, like how was that whole experience? It was crazy because I remember when holding filler, like next to the main filler, before we were going in, all the girls were there. Oh, but really? We all had like little tents outside. So we we're all like in these tents, but no. we couldn't see each other. Yeah. That was like on the press day as well before we went on. We had to get pictures and everything. Like, Andrew was in the same building as me. That's so weird. On the same day. It was so weird. But we never saw each other. Going into the villa, I just remember being like, okay, this is real. Like, this is not going back now. This is, this is it. Kind yeah. of thing. I remember the first people I saw was Paige in India, I think it was. And straight away, I felt. I was very nervous, but I think because I walked in to girls there already, I was like, already I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, we're in it together, we're on the same boat. But I remember we actually stood there filming that bit for about three to four hours. I could, yeah, I always hear that, like, the challenges and any of those things are hours and hours. Is it not then awkward? Because you're all obviously, like, standing there and you're, like, not really saying anything. And you're like, hey. It was funny because when the boys come out, obviously they film when the boys are in front of the girls, like, get all the camera angles. And I remember we all just stood there like, 
and obviously boys felt so like oh my god there's a lot sweating. for them they'd be like who's the little because they're literally standing the there like on their own as well and got five girls looking at you like I can't imagine do they like, let you like freshen up or anything no Oh my god, Nothing. they'd be like, what is the girl with the sweat issue? I just need water, please. Yeah. <laughs> please, someone. I assume at this point you're like very conscious of the cameras. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you walk in, you see all the cameras, you see mm. orgs. Of course. In my head, I thought it would be hidden, like I won't see a single camera. You walk in, you literally see you're every on a film set. single camera. Mm. Yeah. Even the ones that you have like actual camera people as well behind, like, it's like so weird. It's outside the village, it's like, like in the zoo. Tunnels. It's like a, not like a tunnel, but it's like a walkway around outside the villa and they have like sliding doors. So you hear like, shh, and you see like a big <laughs> camera come out. You're like, sorry, we're just and, like, filming yeah. around. And I remember the first time that happened, I actually looked straight at the camera because I was so caught off guard. I was like, I was like, fucking hell. The rest of the time, it's just like cameras that you can see, but there are no people there. The whole like opening day you're basically just like thrust into this weird like film set yeah I assume it probably like feels like a kind of yeah. fake film set it felt like I was in like a sims virtual yeah I felt like I was a sims character mm. just kind of like someone's made me into character and just put me in mm. there that's literally how it felt and yeah you see even when you're sleeping you're getting filmed as well no wonder everyone puts their sunglasses on. I'd yeah. have like a full face mask. I'd have one of those, you know, like cryotherapy masks. That you yeah. Get, like the LED ones. I'd have one of those. So you, who did you get partnered up with in your first? Andrew. Did you? Yeah, the public put us together. Oh my God, wow. Meant to be. It's crazy. That must have been a vote of confidence. Yeah. Like even my mum and dad put us together as well. Really? Yeah. And so when you first started having conversations, did you think like, yeah, this is right? Or were you like, <laughs> I think... It's hard because the first few days you want to be open. You want to, you know, Love Island's all about dating and finding a one and so many different personalities, different characteristics to people. And for me, it was kind of, I didn't want to rush into anything straight away. I needed, I wanted to keep my options open. Mm. Um, but straight away, there was that flirty banter with me and Andrew. There was that little like, <laughs> like a shoosh something. Um, but in my head, I was like, I don't want to rush it because I do wear my heart on my sleeve. I also do tend to have this tendency of like pushing people away and right because I never had a serious relationship before that I, it was hard for me to be open straight away in a way so yeah I kind of you just need them to, in before you are yeah so I kind of had to, had to feel the waters a little bit whereas with Andrew it's a bit different for Andrew I think he was pretty much set on me straight away mm. and I think both of our experiences were very different we had very different journeys in there but we, like especially for me I'd grew as a person in there I think I came out of a lot of self-growth. I learned so much more about relationships and I massively grew. Like I walked out completely different person when I walked in. Like yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, we definitely had a rocky journey, 100%. But I'm grateful that it happened because it got us to where we are now anyway. Yeah. How did you find, I guess, experiencing that self-growth? Hard. You do form friendships in there and you've never lived with these people before. You're actually living together as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Like, for me, I'm quite sensitive as a person as well. Like, I'm very sensitive and... When I was in there, I was very overly sensitive. And I think it's because you can't talk to your friends and family. You can't go for a walk. And I'm very that person that I'm feeling some kind of way. I need to let it out. I need to talk to someone. And the only people that I could speak to was people in the villa. And it was, it was hard because when you're going through your own thing in there, you also got other people's relationships going on, other people's drama. And there's a lot. And you've got the cameras on you as well. And obviously the producers will come and I'd have chats so with trapped. you. Like, it's, so, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. And 
when you're in there 24 hours every day, mm. it's it obviously becomes normality in a way, but at the same time, it is mentally draining. Mm. Like there was a point where I wasn't even myself anymore. I remember my dad and my mum said to me, they were like, we knew you weren't yourself. I had no emotion. When it came to the brief chats, I was just sat there like this, like, mm. and like, my dad was like, I saw you slipping away. And he was like, I was, he was on the phone to me and coming to get her. Really? Yeah. He was, he was just like, he saw me just slipping day by day. I think it was after Castlemore, I just stopped caring so much. And right. I thought, you know, that's kind of moment for me where it switched. And I thought, Tasha, just stop being stupid and just, you know, what I have with Andrew is so special and don't fuck it up, basically. And in my yeah. head, I was like fighting myself, being like, you've got something so good. Right. Don't push that away. Don't, you know. Yeah, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Yeah. Like all of yeah. that. And that's when I switched. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to enjoy it and see where it goes kind of thing. There's a point where like, I literally had to have time to myself and just sit on my own, like mm. nap. And I get concentration fatigue. Like a lot of deaf people struggle with it. And it's, you know, you're lip reading all the time. Your brain overworks. God, I can imagine. Every day I'd be napping on the balcony for about two hours while the girls getting ready. And would they let you do that? Yeah. Because I think they understood. They knew that I'll get a headache migraines I was just so exhausted emotionally exhausted as well and being in the sun all day and you know having these conversations with people and it, it was a lot especially the first two weeks mm. I just remember being like yeah this no is I can't like, imagine it's not like people think we lay there on holiday enjoying the sun I'm like no yeah there's a reason why they take away every sort of distraction like I'd be like please give me a pen and paper because I just need to like yeah this doesn't work yeah. so I'm gonna need to like do it through this I'm like I'm really gonna need you to give me that pen and paper before I go and say yeah be like writing on a leaf in the corner like etching things in there I literally saw this like like three times a day I was like <laughs> yeah I was like I need like some someone to speak to but. that's so interesting so are you allowed to at any point you want go to speak to yeah psychologist so they have like a welfare team you can speak to they speak to you at like lunchtime like you have like a like a zoom call thing um but you also have a psych on request you can actually go speak to over zoom as well like beach heart if you really need it and it's kind of like you take your mic off no one actually hears anything in there so it's actually it's confidential and that's what I liked about it is that I could go in there then or oh I wouldn't say that so much oh, yeah I'd be, be like we're gonna start charging <laughs> there's this time I was in there for like an hour and they're like hey Tash you can't need to go back out because I, I was like missing if I didn't have that I think I would have probably left a lot sooner really yeah and what was it that kind of changed your headspace after Catherine Moore? I mean, obvious things happened. Yeah. But when you say that you kind of came back and you switched, what do you think encouraged that switch? I cared so much about people's opinions and the public's opinions. And, you know, I was like, I don't want to cry anymore. I mean, that's what was in my head. I was like, I just don't want to be upset anymore. I just don't want to be looking back on this experience being like, why did you let it get to you so much? And that's kind of why in my head I thought... I'm just going to go in my heart and whatever happens, happens. And yeah. that's kind of why I just said, just stop caring so much about what people think and just enjoy your time. And mm. I think me and Andrew had the best time of our lives for the last four weeks. Like right. We were just the happiest in ourselves and together. And that's when we really grew as, as a couple and as people together as well. And I look back on those four weeks, I'm like, yeah, those were like, for me and him, we were just happy. Yeah. And if you could go back and do Love Island all again, is there anything you would change? Yeah, like, don't care what people think. 100%. Really? Yeah. I look back and I'm like, especially being, like, bottom three, obviously, it is, it's hard. It's cutthroat because you're literally standing there like, have I done something wrong? There's so many things going through your head. I wanted to, like, message my mum and dad being like, is this something I'm doing? Or, And you just don't know what's being showed out there as well. You don't know what's being aired. Not everything's going to get aired. 
And I think I was doubting myself so much. And obviously, because I wanted to make a deaf community proud as well. I felt like I was letting them down. Like this, I was bringing myself down so much. Don't care about, I think more about like people's opinions on your relationship and the public as well. Of course. I think more in that way. Obviously, I made mistakes in there. And there's times where I did upset Andrew and it hurt me inside. I was like, I don't want to be upsetting people. Or I'm not a dramatic drama person either. Like right. I don't. I said I got on with the girls like I was you know every time we had each other we were upset but yeah I'm not I'm not I wasn't really that the drama kind of person that's why people maybe thought it was boring I didn't bring mm. anything to tv but that's just not who I am like I'm not gonna I'm just not that kind of person I just right. I have to have it in me but yeah. there's definitely times where I realized my mistakes and I was like you know I had to hit myself so not hit myself like <laughs> actually hit myself find like, you in the corner just I mean like inside to be like Tash like you know not on purpose, just like, you know, sometimes you don't realise your own actions can hurt other people. I think that's what I learned in the fellow as well, quite a lot, mm. definitely. Throughout your kind of time in there, when you look back on it, I assume you're very happy that you did it, that you kind yeah. of, is that your, like, view on it? Definitely, I think I'm definitely happy that, you know, met Andrew and the opportunities that come from it. I think coming out the show, it was so overwhelming. You're coming out to more of a bigger platform, I think, at first, I was like, oh, my God, like, this this is, like, I couldn't what explain the feeling. Yeah. I was literally like, what is going on? Like, you had negatives, positives, so much love, and it's like, you see so many different things. But I didn't go looking for it. I was very, like, my dad basically actually sat me down and told me pretty much things that were said and just to warn you, like, these, like throughout the whole journey, it's just, like, how it was, like, for you. It was, it was very honest, and I was like, fair enough. Um, and I think the only thing that probably hurt me the most was about, my hearing like people taking me out of my voice the way I spoke and people I mean making that's just TikToks. like bigoted yeah that's people like... are literally making TikToks about my voice yeah taking me out of my voice yeah it's crazy like and that's probably the only thing that hurt me because I was a bit like I can't help but also like come for speak. like come for my character say I'm not your type of person like any of these things fine fair enough like yeah taking the piss like I cannot believe that that also wouldn't be taken down yeah and I also think that like it's horrible that you would have to have the brunt of that I also think that that's just such a massive misconception like mm. even just like the openness to it yeah I can't believe that there wouldn't be like something that in their brain would be like before I do this do I maybe consider the fact that like yeah. this would have been you know yeah. a different situation yeah but I think because the way I came out I was like you know what I'm not even going to respond to it I'll turn it into a positive thought okay, I've got a platform now and I can educate and raise awareness. That's what I've been doing the past year. I'm going to educate these trolls, but in the most positive way possible right. and not return it. Because I'm not a hateful person. I'm not no. a horrible person. That's not who I am. I haven't got it in me. It's more that, you know what, that's okay. Maybe you just don't know. Yeah. And that's fine. Maybe not educated. That's also fine. So that's why, you know, sometimes I do a TikTok video responding to comments just being like, look, the reason why my voice is like this is because da 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 and then sometimes people actually say, you know what, I am I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you replied to all of those, I'm sure you would get those types of responses. Like they would be really yeah. nice responses and they would kind of be like mean no harm. But obviously like the barrage of like ex everything that you get when you come out. Yeah. What did that feel like? Obviously like you finished the show. Yeah. And then do you go into like a holding situation? Yeah. So after the final, even before the final, we actually left the main villa about two days before the final actually really? happened yeah oh yeah of course because it's so behind you all have to like unpack set up for the final you went into like a holding filler and it was actually quite cool it was like oh my god like we kind of were out of this world now we're going to start to feel normal again we have like people doing our hair makeup like we saw new people and I was like this is so weird 
I remember her, it's actually really funny that after the final, we had no chaperones in the villa. And like, we were so excited because we were like, yes, like, no more cameras, no more chaperones, yeah. no mics. Like, that was the first night where me and Andrew literally told each other everything. So, so really? much that happens like behind the scenes, like, in terms of like things can get navigated. And me and Andrew were literally telling each other everything. We were like, no. And he was like, it was, it was good we had that because. He was like, now nah, that makes sense. And I'd be like, oh, okay, so that's why. Da, 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 da. So that's probably like the most craziest night because it was just like, oh my God. And then obviously got back in the, even going to the airport onto the plane, like, I was just like, oh my days. Like, we're about to go back to the UK and see all my family, friends. And I just remember feeling so happy. I was happy to leave in a way because I was like, you know, towards the end, it does get a bit, you know, you kind of want to get out now. You kind of want to go back to normality. And like even going to Tesco together, like just yeah. love going to Tesco, right, getting yeah. you know meal deal or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm the type things. of person when I'm away, I'm like, okay, ready to go home now. And then like, the duck wrap's the best thing. I'm like, give me that <laughs> please, duck <wrap."> someone. <laughs> um, and when do you get your phones back? We got it back the day after the final, and they actually filmed, they filmed us um, tearing our phones on. I just remember turned it on. I was like, I'm not even gonna look at it for like ages because it just kept messages, notifications, everything. What I'm really grateful for is that we came out to a lot of love and support. And that was really nice to come out to because obviously you're scared. You don't know what you're going to come out to. You mm. could come out the complete opposite. Mm. Um, I'm really grateful that we came out to just, yeah, a lot of support and love. And I think that was nice to come out to because I was very, very skeptical of what it was going to be like in a way. I didn't see hardly any negative comments, mm. literally. Yeah, well, because I always feel so terrible for people who come out at a point where I know that, like, the past week for them hasn't been good. Like, they've come across really badly for whatever mm. reason. And it's almost like everything they did before that point is, like, completely ignored. It's like you only... They're only treated exactly how they were perceived right yeah. before they came out. Yeah, and I think cause, like, we actually had a reunion, literally, like, three days later right. as well. So you didn't even have time to actually process everything we literally landed transported to a hotel that we had to prepare for the reunion so we weren't even you didn't like, even go home yeah I didn't even go home so we didn't have time to actually process I'd be like someone getting like, home I'm like especially having a reunion like three days later that's not really a reunion mm. that's just like we're on a hotel together as well we were still all together like, I wish that when we landed I think they did that with this lot just being that they actually landed went home and really just kind of enjoyed their time whereas literally we're just into a hotel and did you get put in your own hotel rooms or did you get yeah. to list and be like, hello, I would like to be with my new boyfriend, please? <laughs> yeah, we put together in a hotel room. Um, it was actually quite nice because Andrew's parents were there, my parents were there. We all could sit down. Like, it's, a, it's the first chat that's always like crazy because yeah. you just talk about everything, lay it out. And it's just, it's crazy how they saw things. But then to us, it was like, that actually wasn't the case. It was, mm. like, it's just crazy. It was crazy. I just remember being in a hotel like, wow, like, this is just, yeah, just diff yeah, a different world. And when you came out, did you feel a lot of pressure to, I guess, continue your relationship? I wouldn't say so, you know. I think when, I, when we came out, we, we obviously we were in a bubble. You know, you are mm -hmm. in a bubble when you come out first. You're very like, it's a lot. Because going through it together, I think that's what was nice. That like, we were there for each other. We were, you know, he was going through things, I was going through things. But we had each other to go do it together. And I think the main thing that me and Andrew are quite good at is not caring about people's opinions in our relationship. I think when we came out, I think we learned that in the fillers. When we came out, we were very like, okay, we're strong now. Like we can take anything, you know, people's opinions come at us. We can, we're, we're strong as a couple, like we're strong as people. And I think, you know, there was times obviously where people would be like, oh, say something stupid, like 
in a relationship and then we have to think the only people that matter is us two mm. and communication is so important because we communicate really well that's why like we don't ever like get things get to us in a way mm. of course sometimes it will but I think yeah obviously yeah so coming out we weren't that like prone to the people's opinions we were just like you know what we're here for each other we've got we've got each other let's just enjoy our time see what happens but like me asking Andrew to be my boyfriend in the villa that's the point where I was like I'm committed like this is me showing you I'm 100% committed to you and I want this and I think so that's why coming out it was so nice we actually went on holiday about four weeks later that's probably the best thing we did because we took ourselves out out of the Love Island Villa we went you know no cameras anymore this kind of time just, it's probably like a test to see what we're like as well on a holiday and yeah in, in each, each other's company just us two nobody else around and it was the best thing that we did because that was actually like the moment to be like okay this could be something really special mm. we can have babies or whatever in the future yeah, yeah it's been amazing and you know we're still together to this day which is crazy and what's been the toughest part since coming out of the villa then probably sometimes trolls you know I think it still d- does get to me sometimes I'm quite like I said sensitive and I think um especially when they're trying it directly hit you or to make up some stupid shit just to literally piss you off and get to you and get a reaction and sometimes I will react and be like I'm literally giving them what they want mm. it can be so hard I think sometimes also pressure of times having to keep up with like you know having brand deals all these kind of things and I'm like I'm, when I came out I wasn't okay I want this and that and this I said okay I'm quite specific with what I want to do and what I want, like, when it's, like, fashion, like, eBay and and summers. I already, you know, wanted to mod them before. Like, little things, I wanted to be organic and just kind of do what I felt best for me. I did actually delete a Twitter the other week. I was like, I'm deleting Twitter. I'm finished with it because Twitter is a place, it's so toxic. It's and it's crazy, like, how much, like, they literally will compare the girls being like, oh, my God, like, you know, just things like that. And it's like, it shouldn't be about that. Mm. Like, everyone's successful in their own ways. And, like, I've seen people drag down Ainda as being like, oh, she's cancelled, she's mm. finished because she's not getting jobs anymore, things like that. And it's like, it's crazy how far people will literally take it mm. and, like, create a whole new storyline. And like, how have you adapted to, I guess, dealing with that? I think I just kind of have to ground myself and remember that they don't know me. They don't know me personally. They've seen what they've seen on TV. And I think it's actually interesting. When I came out of the show, so many people have said to me, you're not like how you were on TV mm. in the best way possible in terms of, you know, that I'm not this horrible person who tried to make me, you know, the fill-in edit, whatever. But I think I just ground myself and think, you know what, just breathe. And I've got people around me. That's the only people that matter. And when you came out, obviously most Love Islanders jobs become Mm. influencer stuff. So how much did you know about things like brand deals and how did you even navigate, I guess, getting into that management? Like, Um, so obviously because I was modeling before, I kind of was in influence, social media influencing because when you're modeling, you do have to have an Instagram portfolio. That's where you, that's your work basically. So I kind of already was like, knew what to do. I, I was on TikTok already. Actually, a week before I went on the show, I actually went to my management that I'm with now. And I kind of just said, like, I may be going on the show. Would you be interested in mm. working together? And they actually took a risk with me because they were like, you know, like, you know, we got along straight away. And I told them what, you know, what I was wanting to do after the show, what kind of things I was looking for. So coming out, we had a meeting and that's when the eBay deal was kind of on the table. And I said, eBay would love to work with you. And I straight away was like 100%. That's actually the one thing I really wanted to do coming out because, you know, 
the clothes that they gave in the villa was some of the stuff was just incredible. I was like, wow, like it'd be such a dream to work them coming out. And then like Simi's shoes, for example, I wore their shoes and that came organic as well because they were like, they already knew me from before the show because I used to do Instagram pictures and do a little tag of like <laughs> little like Simi shoes. And then and Summers and then, you know, and I'm working with these brands and because now I've got great relationships, I'm still working with them now, like a year later. I'm just so grateful and thankful because little me would never thought I'd be here right now in terms of doing what I'm doing, like my own podcast and working with deaf charities and being advocate, yeah, mm. for the deaf community. That's what I've like, been wanting to do, especially just being a voice and raising awareness. I'm so passionate about, passionate about it. And the fact that I've got a bigger platform, I can do it now, it makes me happy. And like me making other people happy makes me happy, basically. Yeah. Like, if I can help someone wear the hair off and show the hair in a cocker implant, I'm happy. You know, that's what brings me comfort and getting messages like that. I get it every day. People saying, thank you, because if you have to go to a photo shoot, uh, I feel confident to tell my friends and things like that. And that's, that's gives me warmth. Yeah. I saw this really amazing ad that you did where I think it was right after you came out of the show. It's a Cadbury. Is that the subtitles? Yeah, yeah. 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 Could you talk a little bit about that? And then I thought that was a like fucking fantastic ad and was really, really, really powerful. Mm. Could you talk a little bit, maybe for people who like haven't seen that, what that was about, like what the aim was? So Capri Fingers, um, they're doing a campaign called Simon Fingers, and I remember when we first came out, they were like, we're interested in working with you, and I was like, it's a campaign that obviously aligns with me perfectly, so I'm 100% down for it, and the whole point of the message was that I was doing British Sign Language I was signing the kind of advert ad and the subtitles were behind my legs but they were hidden so you couldn't see the full subtitles and people were literally in the comments like your legs are hiding the subtitles I can't see what's being said and I was like that's the whole point so that's the whole point Cadbury were trying to say was that deaf people also don't feel included in conversations mm. so that was literally the whole gist of the campaign it was very very powerful because the response that we got was how I wanted it to be so mm. people getting confused of like oh I can't see the subtitles and like, that's kind of the whole point that's now you know how you know deaf people feel in everyday situations so that's probably like one of my proudest moments that I did doing that campaign because mm. you know it's something that was just so strong and raw in a way and it really sent out a really good message yeah and I can imagine for yourself as well like being able to come out of that and like not that you ever shouldn't have, but like mm. being able to own it so clearly and be so like just strong about the fact that like this is my, I guess, like perceived difference. And this is yeah. what like this is what you need to know about it. And this is what you need to know if you meet someone with that situation so that you can, you know, be as accommodating and access- as accessible as possible. 100%. And also being able to kind of you know, the amount of people I'm sure that mm. would have watched that and would have watched you on Love Island as well and generally been able to kind of accept more about themselves and accept more about their kind of, um, you know, their their position and how they can, yeah. you know, just like, I, th- I think you having done that and raised that awareness by kind of just showing and being proud and all of that was a hugely, a hugely brave thing to do as well because I can imagine that's like... <laughs> terrifying in a way as you say that you had some insecurities about it when you were younger and like which is kind of you know I can imagine so hard then to go on and really 
own something to such a wide audience so um yeah I think what you've done is like really really incredible I love the fact that you've come out of the villa and and kind of shown your love for pre-loved clothing I think mm. that's been really powerful um and yeah I really wanted to talk to you today because I feel like you've had such an amazing story and also just like stood for things really well in a way that you could just tell that you're a nice person. Thank you. Which no, is, I appreciate that. Which is always nice. <laughs> it was really nice to talk to you as well. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>